right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm sitting overlooking the front stretch at Circuit of the Americas with my friend Brian Massengill, who just left the Stevie Wonder concert to go do this podcast. Wow, Brian, that is pretty special. That's the F1 difference, right? It's the special concerts. Last night I went and saw Justin Timberlake, uh, which is a little different vibe, but a lot a lot of fun at these races, for sure. Um, welcome to Austin. What do you think? Live from Formula One, Circuit of the Americas, Austin, Texas. Jeff, Buck, what do you think about this? This was pretty cool. I got to admit, I mean, first of all, um, I, I was really, so I had not seen a car actually really on track this entire weekend yet um, because I spent, not this is a bad problem to have, but I spent with Haas F1 team the practices inside their garage, which was amazing. And then qualifying, I watched in the media center. So I actually hadn't seen cars going around the track. I'd done a track walk, but I came to see cars on track. So I went up to turn one, which is over to our right. I went up the hill in a huge group of fans, and I watched the start from turn one. And then I walked down along the S's. And I tell you what, you don't understand until you see it in person, I don't think, how... Like the, the agility of these cars, like they're like dancing through the corners. And by the way, if you, if you can hear any music back in the background, Stevie Wonder just started playing Superstition. So we can, we can hear it off the distance. But I, I was blown away by the cars themselves. And um, so I got to, you know, probably for a half hour walk around the circuit. And it, it's really cool, actually, that you can see. Like I was talking to some fans of the tweet up and you can really move around a lot. Where, where did you watch from? Uh, we have tickets in the main grandstand, but during qualifying and practice sessions, we go around the track and kind of see it from every angle. So the the turn one hill that's kind of famous now, it is a madhouse and a zoo. And so I like to go there during qualifying, not during the race. I mean, there are people in, in all kinds of costumes with the biggest flags, and they are very dedicated to their country and their drivers. And I, I think that's another thing that separates F1 is just you root for the driver from your country or the owner from your country. And and that's why I'm wearing a Haas hat, obviously, as the American uh, representative for uh, F1. It's, it's, it's fun. But this track, there's not a bad view, really, anywhere. And a little different from NASCAR in that, you know, I'm on the main grand, grand, or front stretch, and I can only see that and up into the top of the hill. And so you have to watch it on TV, whereas at a NASCAR race, at an oval track, you're going to be able to see, if you're high enough up, the entire track, which there's pluses and minuses i think to both sides but being able to move around and be so free with the general admission tickets that they sell here it's it's a different experience just because of the road course and everything like that so yeah and honestly um i was pretty surprised at how competitive of a race it was overall i mean i thought you know i've been told by many people even in the media center that whoever gets out of turn one with the lead is going to have uh, is going to win the race and Hamilton had dominated every practice he dominates uh, the qualifying session and then he gets up uh, into turn one and Vettel takes the lead and the group I was standing with all these people are going crazy for Vettel and all this stuff and then um, no there was actually some passing lead changes and Hamilton passed him back it was very exciting and then throughout the rest of the race 
There was like, I mean, at one point, Vettel went three wide up the middle on somebody. Um, there was like some very dicey moments, very exciting stuff, and the fans seemed super into it. Like, I thought the quality of racing was surprisingly good. I thought it was going to suck, I guess. I've been here for every one of these races, and this was, in my mind, the best one in terms of the competitiveness. There were lead changes, and, and one of the things they tell you for F1, if, if you don't follow it, is don't don't watch the first part. Don't watch the leaders because they're going to stay the same pretty much. Watch somebody in spots five, six, and seven because they're going to be jostling around for position, and those are where the excitement happens at, at uh, at an F1 race. And so here we had it at the front, at the back, at the on the last lap. I mean, we'll talk about this, but at the on the last lap, um, Max got in there and and had an incredible pass going. I think in like turn 18 out of t 20 turns here. It's it's something special this race was and and you heard lewis hamilton say it at the end he said I, this is now my favorite racetrack and he it, the drivers the sentiment for this track they they really like it because there is that ability to make passes and the drs zones and everything like that are, are spaced out so well f1 did a really good job about that letting drivers get back into races and things like that so let's let's talk about that you you touched on this and um max verstappen young 20 year old for red bull very exciting driver he started 16th and he drove all the way up he's making a last lap pass for third place he's getting a podium he passes kimi raikkonen super like incredible move in the media center everybody goes whoa like it was an attention getter and then f1 being the spoil sports that they are decides he left the track um because he used the apron basically to make the pass or at least the, the curb to make the pass and that's a five second penalty so he was he's in the green room where the, all the drivers go afterwards and they go uh yeah you, you didn't make the podium um this is kimi this, it's his spot so sorry by one second that was the five second penalty equated into him losing by one losing the podium spot by one second and that that's it's F1. That's classic F1 stuff. Like, oh, no, we're, we reviewed this, and we think you were just that far over off the racetrack to make that pass. And uh, for better or worse, it's F1 racing. Okay, but so let's, let's touch on this for a second. In your view, from what you saw, was that the right call, first of all? <laughs> N uh, no. I mean, it's so subjective. I don't know enough. And F1, you know, they're – they are F1. They know their rules obviously better than anyone else, and they're going to enforce them how they want to see to enforce them. Um, I think that, and again, it was the most exciting part of the race after lap one when uh, Sebastian drove around uh, Lewis uh, up at the top of turn one. And so we had excitement throughout the entire race. And then we're watching, and we don't really see it, and we can't really hear what's going on, and we don't see Max out there on the podium. We see Kimi, and we're like, oh, F1's being F1. Well, I, I'll say this. It, it definitely looked like, if you're going by the rules, from what fans tweeted me, and again, I didn't know the rules for today, but they're saying that if you use that part of the track or you know, if you go that far off, um, that is leaving the track, and that, that is a penalty. It's going outside the track limits, I guess. But there was several times immediately posted on social media, even today, Valtteri Bottas... Is that how you say his name? Botas? I think so. I'm pretty sure. There's a lot of, uh, obviously, this sport is driven by foreigners um, from, or foreign racers, uh, and all these names, I can't pronounce all of them. And I do the best. Like, that's why I'm saying Max instead of Max Verstrapsen, and because and, I'm going to get them wrong. And I don't mean to be rude or insensitive. And so, yeah. 
anyway, so Botsis, uh, apparently he used part of turn nine or turn 19 or some turn at some point today in a very similar way was not penalized for it. So it comes down to inconsistency. And that's what Christian Horner, who's the team principal for Red Bull, uh, I went and talked with him along with a group of reporters in the Red Bull hospitality afterwards. And he was like saying so much stuff that I hear in NASCAR. And that's what I wrote about in my column on jeffgluck.com is, wow, they finally spoke my language after the last lap of the F1 race. After being so foreign all weekend in so many ways and so many differences between F1 and NASCAR, it was like, oh, inconsistency. I, I'm familiar with this. It's And, and that's it. You know, it, they're going to make the the calls that they want to make and they're going to make them when they want to make them. I don't understand wanting to penalize a young driver and everyone was excited. That was the loudest since again, since Sebastian passed Lewis and Lewis got the lead back all race long. I mean, up in the main grandstand, you can hear these people, you can see everyone cheering on the Hill. The Red Bull team is a very popular team. So people love it, but having a young driver, I don't, I don't see what the, what, what the reason is behind penalizing him for doing something that again, is subjective and that's what you you know it's funny because that's what you want you want to have those kind of moves and you get a great move that you can really sell to america an american audience and they're like nah that doesn't count <laughs> you know but um so let's talk about let's shift gears a little bit and talk about nascar now um i know you didn't see any of the nascar race i was able to start following it i was following it on twitter um stage one is about stage two. And then I was able to um, pay more attention to it after the race. So I'm going to tell you some situations that happened in the race. Uh, do you know nothing about it at all? I know nothing about it at all. I, I've been at this track with spotty cell phone coverage and then at the Stevie Wonder concert with spotty cell phone coverage and some with, with some friends. So I didn't look anything up yet. Okay. So I'm going to say what happened and you tell me how surprised you are about what happened on a scale one to ten? Okay, uh, number one, Martin Truex Jr. won the race. That uh, yeah, that's a good one. So about uh, not surprised. So one is not surprised, and ten is surprised. Three or four. Three or four. Um, Matt Kenseth was eliminated from the playoffs. I wish I could say I was more surprised, but. Uh, yeah, maybe five. I'll put that right in the middle. I. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I'm going to leave that there. Five. Okay, how about this? Matt Kenseth was eliminated from the playoffs after his team was trying to repair crash damage. They sent too many men over the wall and got parked for it by miscounting how many people they could send over the wall. Less, thus, he was eliminated. I am shocked that that happened. I am not shocked by the rule enforcement. And that is, oh, man, that's such a, what a terrible way for that to happen. Oh, man. Again, it's just, you have to, there are rules in place for a reason. I understand that. And that's the right call, though. At the end of the day, that's the right call. Too many men over the wall and NASCAR, NASCAR racing. Okay, here's another one. This is, uh, I mean, I, I'm already, I was already going to say this is shocking, but it is shocking. Kyle Larson eliminated from the playoffs after his engine blows. Really? I'm, I'm serious. I, I mean, completely surprised. One, one, totally surprised. Oh, you mean 10? Oh, I mean 10. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, 10. Absolutely 10. Uh, that's, what, how late in the race did that happen? Stage one. Oh, wow. So they had, okay. Wow. I, 
eliminated because of an engine failure. How much does that suck? I mean, seriously, like Kyle Larson, he was going to go to the Final Four. He was like, it was all season. Truex, Larson, Kyle Busch, one of those three, and and really Truex and the Kyles, um, you know, were the Kyles were second fiddle, I guess, to Truex, but. Surely Kyle Larson was going to get to Homestead. He was going to be a contender at Homestead because he could run the high line, and now he is out. That's I, – I, you just said everything right there. I mean, that's who you thought was going to be making that run at Homestead at the end of the year. Um, and, again, that's – the sport needs a new champion. And that was – that's one of the things that F1 also has this problem. The champions have been the same for the last seven years. You've had two guys – well – three guys but two teams winning it all and and having new champions somebody to draw more people in is is really good for the sport but that is just shocking and it oh man but it's not and again that's not nascar's fault it's engine failure so um this is <laughs> okay so during in stage one martin Truex jr is leading the race he started from the pole there comes a restart and Martin Truex, um, you know how they use, especially at Chicago and Kansas, they end up using the apron a lot when they go down there. So he restarts the race, and he goes down on the apron um, as he's starting, and Kevin Harvick follows him behind. Truex gets black flagged for going below the white line on the restart. Kevin Harvick, who was right behind him and did the same thing, no black flag, because apparently they went over this rule in the driver's meeting and the leader, the front row must stay within the white lines. They, they are saying, I've never heard this before, but apparently this is a thing. Truex gets penalized. Kevin Harvick not penalized. Your reaction to that one? Again, that's a, that's a weird rule that why one guy can do it and the other can't. And No, that's, that's not right. Black flag for going down on the apron is a weird move. Um, and to not, uh, let me ask you a question. Are these team? Are the, I know that we're getting down, and this is an elimination race. Are they pressing right now? Are they just doing so much to try and win everything that they're pushing every rule they can? Is that what's happening, or are they are they just making mistakes? It's late in the season. I I, I don't know. Like, what do you what do you think's happening there? Are they just pressing? I don't see. I don't think this is a pressing situation. I feel like they go down to the apron on the restart, All like. The all the time. That's yes. That's NASCAR racing. They're on the apron all the time. And okay, but I mean, unless it's the the double yellow line, which we all know you can't go below there. But I've never heard of somebody being penalized until now on uh, a restart for going on that part of the track. And and then the guy behind him not doing. It. And this is again, this goes back to the problem of consistency. I'm a, I'm a huge stickler for rules personally. I I like rules a lot, but. What bothers me is when the rules are not applied consistently. So if this was a rule, why wasn't why haven't we heard about this many times before? Why haven't we heard about the the Jimmy Johnson thing from two weeks ago where he got the lug nut and he was over the line and the teams didn't even know about that? Like this just bothers me so much. And so, um, you know, when when I saw this thing in, in F one today where he gets penalized and, and it spoils a great moment, these sanctioning bodies, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's F one, whoever, they've got to do a better job for their own reputations at coming up at, at getting better with consistent calls. That's kind of it, right? I mean, it's, it is at their whim and at their uh, mercy. And, and at the end of the day, we can complain about it and all that. But I, I don't know, again, I don't see what the benefit of 
penalizing somebody in that situation is. Uh, it's on a restart. It's, oh man, I, it just, it happens everywhere. It literally happens everywhere where they're driving. And to have it hit, uh, or not, Harvick not getting penalized anything, it just the inconsistency is upsetting. So, um, Brian, I, I now that I think about it, I'm sorry to those who are listening because I didn't even introduce who you were and very excited to have you on because I've all season long on these podcasts been talking about post-race podcast sponsor Samtech. And uh, why don't you say who you are? I am Brian Massengill. I am uh, from the School of Automotive Machinist and Technology in Houston, Texas. My parents founded the school, and now I work there, and I drag race in the NHRA, and uh, I am a fan of JeffGluck.com. You're, you are post-race podcast sponsor, Samtech. This is it. Like We're, we're meeting like to do a, po- a podcast with you on the podcast in person. It's, it's very strange, though, because our worlds, I'm an NHRA guy and obviously a NASCAR fan and F1 fan, but we are in a very weird place to be doing this podcast and to be talking about the things that we're talking about in this capacity is a little bit strange. But I'm excited to be here, obviously. Uh, I'm glad that you, you were able to come here and that the Haas uh, team uh, set you up as well as they did and gave you just, you know, all kinds of access. I think this is going to, you know, open up some of the, uh, some of your readers, some of your listeners, some of your followers to a new form of racing that maybe they didn't know anything about and didn't really know how to break into, well, this is so different. How do I do that? And so I think this is, I think Haas did an amazing job with uh, all the access you got this weekend. And uh, I, I am here. I'm excited. I, it's been a long three days. I know it's been longer for you. You've been at the track since before. I have, like, they, the, they don't open the doors. I saw pictures that you were taking, and it was still dark out, and you've been here. And so you've got to be exhausted from this experience. Dude, I am still, like, super pumped up, honestly. I haven't been this giddy for something in a really, really long time. I mean, this this is probably this overall weekend and I appreciate everybody sticking with me and, and the patrons voting to send me here because I would say it's just as far as my career, not my life. So I'm not going to include like my wedding and stuff like that. But as far as like my career uh, of working, this is probably the second most exciting weekend I've ever had to covering the Super Bowl. That would that would be number one. I mean, this was like such a cool experience. I got to do so many amazing behind the scenes things. And, and like you said, Haas um, pushed to get me here. They had to fight to get me a credential. I didn't find out until Monday that I was officially approved because Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com is not somebody that that uh, they want, uh, you know, that F1 typically credentials or the FIA. And um, I did have a great moment, and I I wish I could find this on YouTube somewhere. But so yesterday uh, I got up the courage to ask Lewis, Lewis Hamilton a question in a press conference. Now, a NASCAR press conference, I don't get nervous. Yeah, I haven't been gotten nervous for years because, you know, you're used to all the drivers. It's, it's It feels like home, kind of. You know, it's not like a – anyway. So, but here it's like, wow, like this is going around the world. Lewis Hamilton, holy crap, you know. And I wanted to ask him why, you know, because clearly he has a love affair with the fans here and, and the American fans, and he loves this country. You follow him on uh, social media. He loves it. So I wanted to ask him why. So I ask him a question. And he like stops me and he's like, um, wait, so wait, can you start your question over? I, 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 what was your affiliation? I'm like, oh, Jeff Gluck from jeffgluck.com. He's like, that's your website. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, just wanted to check. And like all the F1 writers are laughing and all this stuff. And I'm like, my face turned like bright red. 
but he gave a good answer. But I was just like, wow, this is just surreal. It's it, and I understand that. Like you know, you're friendly. I will say I don't want to say you know anything more than that. But you you know the the drivers in NASCAR, and over here, this is a bigger stage. It is. I mean. Bill Clinton was at this race to just stand there at the front uh, at the start while Michael Buffer uh, introduced every racer and then he handed the first place. Did he give Lewis the trophy? He gave Lewis a trophy. And like that's that's the fanfare and everything that F1 sells. And so I can see being a little overwhelmed when you're saying I'm Jeff Gluck from JeffGluck.com. Why do you love America so much? You know, that's that's a little that's a little intimidating in that in that presence, I think. Um uh, I, I will say I invited you to this race again because we, we have some tickets about two months ago. And again, I don't have any access. It would have just been coming, watching the race and things like that. And and Haas obviously has a little bit more clout than I do. Um, and I'm glad you were able to get down here. Even without me, you would have been doing your regular day job. You would have been at the, the, the cup race this, this weekend. But uh, but I'm glad you are here. I, I think this is going to be uh, good for your readers and, and listeners and everybody to understand this world. I hope so. And um, is there, so is there anything you want to – I, I plug Samtech every week. Is there anything you want to add to my plugs? Do you, do you think I'm am I, am I doing okay with the plugs here? The plugs are great. Uh, we didn't really have a segue there. Like I know that we try to do segues on the podcast, but um, you know, I try to do crazy segues out of the blue for Samtech uh, plugs. And instead, it was just introducing me. And and so um, no, if you're looking for uh, at, uh, to start your career in the motorsports industry, um, we've got guys that work on teams in the NHRA and NASCAR and IndyCar and in every form of racing, every form of manufacturing. Um, visit us at samtech.edu. If you have a nephew, a niece, a grandson, anything like that, give them our information and, and we'll uh, help them get a career started in this motorsport industry. Sweet. So are you going to have to have to add some, some sort of program now that, um, they, that people can transition to an F1 career as well? We, um, we, <laughs> we actually have been talking with them, uh, this, their CNC departments. Our, we use Haas equipment um in our in our cnc uh classes and and so we have a connection to them and it is it's not like nascar i mean and and i don't mean this in a bad way but there are so much more technical things that they look at and they cover over and they they it it's such a different education it's like more engineers work with these crews than anywhere else um this is the finest motorsport in the world, right? I mean, there's no, I, I'm not trying to disparage NASCAR in any capacity because I love the sport and, and that's where our students go. But this is a, a different world. The way that NHRA is a different world from NASCAR is a different world from this. And, and, and all forms of racing are that way. But uh, this really is the crown jewel because of the technical side of things. And so the, we can teach you how the engines work for sure, but uh Everything after that, the cars themselves, we can't help you there. So um, I know you didn't watch the race. This is a completely unfair question, and I didn't watch the race either except on Twitter, so I don't know how I'm going to answer this. But let's just say it was an elimination race won by Martin Truex Jr., a wreck fest. I forgot to tell you, Eric Jones almost got upside down. Um, Controversy, um, big-name driver eliminated. What percent of the people in the was it a good race poll are going to say, yes, it was a good race when I ask tomorrow? I think that because uh, 
because of all of the things that happened, there was a lot of action in the race, and there was a lot of, like you said, I haven't seen it, but from what you're telling me, a lot of upsets, a lot of things, and so that makes it a good race. There's a lot of stories here, and that's what makes good races. How many stories happened in that? Um, so I, I hope that it's at least 80%, 85%, um, just because you get a little stale, like F1 can do. It can get stale when everybody stays in the same positions, and NASCAR's not really doing that, and that, that's a good thing. So 85, 85%, 85% should say, because you've got a lot of good storylines. Okay. I think that's, you know, I, well, I was going to say it's too high because of, of the Truex win, and I'm sure some people probably went, oh, God, not, not this again. Right. But um, so in that case, I will say 75 just because I do think the drama you makes for a good race. Nice. I think you're you're being nice to me, and you want to go lower, and you're just like, uh, I don't want Brian to be that far off from me. So you can go lower. Go. Lower. No, I I think seventy five. I think seventy five. Um, so Brian, we need a hashtag before you drive back to Houston. Um, a long drive for you. We need to come up with a hashtag to encapsulate. Uh, you're mostly from the drag racing world. I'm mostly from the NASCAR world. We're at an F1 track. Um. <laughs> Why don't we do like, uh, what about like hashtag motorsports bonanza? There you go. Motorsports bonanza. I was going to say hashtag Jeff Gluck from jeffgluck.com, but that's <laughs> a little too long. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> How about Lewis's thing? Is that your website? Yeah, I like hashtag is that your website? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Wait, I'm sorry. Actually, it needs to be Geoff uh, Gluck <laughs> because the, the British spelled Jeff, G-E-O-F-F. So it was geoffgluck.com. So I think Geoff Gluck it could be the hashtag. Okay. So, yeah. So the first question I asked earlier in the weekend, I asked Alonzo a question about Haas, and they put uh, <laughs> the F1 people in the transcript put G-E-O-F-F Gluck.com, Jeff Gluck with the G from Jeff Gluck with the G.com. So, uh, yeah. So you think it should be hashtag Geoff Jeff Gluck? I, I do. I like the, I like the Geoff. Okay. Somebody owns that website. You said that somebody already owns that website. A motivational speaker, dude. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's really funny. I really hope that people go to that website thinking like he covers F1 racing now. <laughs> I know. Do you think people saw the transcript and they're like, oh, okay, or, or heard me ask like Lewis question and they thought it was the G? I think so, especially the British. Yeah, that's how they spell it, right? So, yeah, they're going to be going to the motivational speaker. And where's the motive? Is he an American, the motivational speaker? It seems so. It seems okay. so, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. So F1 has, once the race starts, you have two hours to finish the race. You have every race is about the same distance, uh, except for Monaco. That's a special, special race. But how do you, th what, what can NASCAR learn from F1 that F1, you think F1 does right? Well, I mean, the, the race length is, is a good topic. Um, and I, I think it is a good call. Now, this was an awfully short race today. If, if you did this in NASCAR, I mean, I think it was like an hour and 35 minutes for the F1 race. If you did that in NASCAR, I mean, people would be like, okay, that, that was stage one. Um, you know, like, when, when is stage two, when is stage three? So I think NASCAR fans would not be happy about that. However, I think there is probably a happy medium, and you could make baby steps toward that. And I like the fact that there was a, a two-hour time limit. 
Did you just hear all that glass break across the way? The paddock area, they are getting everything ready, and they go in these boxes, and these boxes go on planes, and these planes go to Mexico City this week. They will be there on Tuesday with all this gear, unloading it all again. It's a little different from, from our sports where we've got a hauler, and we just go down the road. This is, I mean, and somebody just dropped a lot of glass. Well, and, and they only have until midnight, I learned this, they only have until midnight tonight to pack everything up. That's the deadline. It, that is completely strict and so right now like i tried to go take a quiet track picture earlier and i had to take it with shipping containers all over the front stretch i mean they put them all the entire pit lane and pit road it looks like oh yeah i hear i hear the glass now somebody's sweeping it up um (laughs) uh but the entire pit lane it, it looks like we're on like the docks at the la harbor or something like that i mean it's it's crazy um but yeah so Sorry, we were, we, were, we were talking about, you know, NASCAR having a time, oh, a time limit. Yes, sorry. Anyway, it'd be too short um, if, if they did an hour and a half. But what if they started and said, okay, um, here's our race distance, 400 miles or whatever, or three hours like they do here. Like, what if you capped NASCAR races at three hours? Would you really be upset if you lost anything? I don't think you can. The Daytona 500 has to be a 500 race, and that's fine. Like, I think you can still have a couple. Like, they they made, uh, I don't even know what sponsor it is for the 600 now, um, but the 600 is just to have a 600-mile race. Like, that's just to say, we have this, and it's because it's the same weekend as Indy, and it's to draw people in. That novelty's kind of worn off, I think. And I, do, I, I love this, this sport, but... We need to do something because you're, there is a, kind of a drain on the audience. You know, people are less tied to their TVs and all that kind of stuff. And a four-hour race, wow, that's a long, long time. Yeah, for sure. And and especially when races drag on and stuff too. It just and and you you would everybody would see the time limit, so it'd be fair for everybody. It wouldn't be like okay, oh wow, that was a surprise, like a rain-shortened race. Okay, we're just gonna stop it. You know, I mean, it, it'd be the same for everybody. So anyway. I think that's good. Well, Brian, uh, this was really awesome. I'm, I'm glad we got to meet up and do this. It's the second time we met up this year because I, I came through uh, Houston with my wife, Sarah, and we, we stopped at Sam Tech for a while. But it was really cool, and I'm, I'm glad you stuck around long enough to, to join us. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. And I'm glad you got out here also. I'm glad I get to see you again. Um, visit samtech.edu for uh, all your education needs. Block machining, cylinder head machining, CNC machining, EFI tuning, and an associate's degree. Very good plug. Well, you can't do a plug any better than the person that is, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say, doing the plugging. No, that, that doesn't make sense. You, you get what I'm saying. Uh, anyway. Hashtag Geoff Gluck to talk about this podcast with Brian. Oh, what what what's your what Twitter name? Should they contact you at? Uh, contact us. At everything that we do is at S A M T E C H E D U. So that's Instagram. That's uh, Twitter. Facebook.com/slash Sam Tech E D U. Okay, so uh, that's where you can tweet. That's where you can do the hashtag. Wednesday coming up on the podcast, I will have both Haas F1 team drivers for a special double 12 questions, both at the same time. They played off each other, so that was kind of fun. We didn't really talk about Haas not getting any points at home and one car not finishing. I mean, it, was a, it, wasn't, it wasn't good showing for the second race in, in, in Hoston, as they call it, um, for the Haas team this weekend. Kind of disappointed in that. It was, but you know, it, Gros, Grosjean almost was up in the points for a while. Um, and he finished 11th so and again you only can score points in the top 10 here 
and only I think sixteen drivers finished. Fifteen drivers yeah. finished. And and um, Magnuson was actually getting up higher, and then he got spun. So no points for the Haas drivers. But I will be talking to them anyway on the twelve questions Wednesday, and then Thursday. It's a social spotlight with a guy named Frank Arthoffer, and he is the head of digital for F1. Oh, wow. So we've got to talk about F1's digital strategy, all that stuff. So if you're interested in like a race, uh, you know, sanctioning bodies strategy and all that stuff, uh, how they do digital, how they connect with fans, that's something you might want to check out on Thursday. And then that's gonna that's gonna be really informative because F1 does a lot of interaction and they do a lot of really really exciting promos and everything they cut is just again they have so much money but they do some really really awesome stuff cool well, I hope you enjoy and then it's off to Martinsville for me and I will do a post-race podcast with somebody there tell everyone who's left in the in in the chase for the championship in NASCAR oh boy well Let's see if I can name this. You've got Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. Those are the three Toyotas that are left. Then you have Ryan Blaney and Brad Kozlowski and Kevin Harvick. Those are the three Fords that are left. And then you have Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson are the two Chevrolets who are left. So, yeah, I mean, my, my pick, Kyle Busch, survived, so I can continue to pick him for the championship. That's gonna, is that a good? Yeah, that was good. Uh, off the top of your head, especially. Um, that was more for me. I, I wasn't exactly sure who was still in. So, obviously, I'm a Chevy guy, so I'm going to be rooting for the Hendrick cars. All right. Well, you only have two left. Yep. Anyway, I feel like we've ended this five times, but, it, but the, the extensions have all been. It's an, it's an exciting weekend. It's different. It's a little different podcast. We're sorry about that. All right. I, I enjoyed it. I hope everybody else did, too. Talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.